There it goes. I'm Dan Benjamin. Like I was saying, you can find me anywhere that you want to go. Twitter, Instagram, here on YouTube, at Dan Benjamin. I want to say thanks very much to everybody who has been subscribing to the channel. It makes a big difference. When you click the little like button, it tells YouTube that you're here and that you're present and that you care. And that's how more people find out about the show. So go tell people about the show. And also, while you're at it, support me and the work that I do. By going to patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin, give me a buck, give me five a month. I mean, it's not a lot of money for the for the work that I do here. I don't think I don't think that's a, a huge ask, is it? Oh, and I got a tweet that see now we get the little exclamation point when I hit the tweet. Why? Why? It's a mystery. No one knows. No one has answers for me. But you know what? I have answers for you. I'm gonna talk to you today about some news. Because we got a lot of good news, some interesting news. And uh, you know. People complain sometimes if I'm not right on time, uh, and I'm sorry about that. I'm still, you know, there's like lawyer stuff now. There's lawyer stuff, and that's that's kind of stressful. You know, it just you you come home at the end of the day and you're like exhausted, and uh, and you're like, well, that's because I haven't, I forgot to eat lunch, and I'm doing all of this other stuff and doing these phone calls and talking to people, and uh, you know, things happen in life that you don't really anticipate. And you don't know that are going to happen, uh, but I think everything's going to be, you know, okay in the end. And sorry, yes, I'm opening the links because I forgot to open the links before, but now they're open and we can actually get started. That's what we call in show business stalling. Now, I'm sure you all heard about this cat filter thing, but everybody's been sending me this link. And I think that the only way to make it go away is if I actually, hi, Keith, thank you. If I actually uh, just talk about this, uh, <laughs> A Texas lawyer was trapped by a cat filter. If you have, everyone's seen this, all right. But but because this is a a show of record, I have to I have to talk about it. So let me just let me just show you this video. It's loud, of course. It's too loud, and we've got to watch a commercial. Great, thank you for the commercial. <laughs> I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. <laughs> uh, you might want to. Can you hear me, Judge? This is not obvious. I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, in the... it is, and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my <laughs> assistant here. She's trying to, but uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. That's, I'm here live. It's not, I'm not a cat. Okay, so that's the quote that all the memes are covering now. I'm here live. I'm not a cat. Apparently a, a, a lawyer here in Texas, <laughs> I guess his kid was using the computer and had a kitten filter. So whoever talked was instead of showing their face, it showed a uh, <laughs> a cat, a kitten. And uh, anyway, if you don't know about that meme, now you know. My job is not to tell you the memes. I'm usually a couple days late, but... There you go. Okay, let's just do some really quick uh, Trump news. Uh, Newsweek is reporting that uh, Twitter CFO Ned Siegel, I'm going to call him Seagal, your name, dude? Uh, confirms that Donald Trump cannot return. He cannot come back to Twitter. He is not welcome back to Twitter. He is not allowed Let's to it, come Game back over, uh, ever. Um, that's right. And apparently this is the quote. So the way our policies work when you're removed from the platform, you're removed from the platform, whether you're a commentator, whether you're a CFO, whether you're a former 
or current public official. So remember, our policies are designed to make sure that people are not inciting violence. And if anybody does that, we have to remove them from the service and our policies don't allow people to come back. He was removed when he was president and there would be no difference for anybody who was a public official once they've been removed from the service. So here's a question. There is this impeachment trial happening right now. Um, and, uh, and, and so my question to you is, what if he is, what if Trump is found to be innocent, that he did not incite any violence and that in fact, he is innocent of that. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying, what if that happens? Would Twitter then have to reverse their decision because the government of the United States, the judicial system has determined that he is innocent. Okay, so let, let's take this in, a, in, in another way. Let's say that somebody is wrongly accused of murder. Let's say I'm thinking of the worst possible crime of, of homicide. They're, they're uh, convicted and they say, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, but they get proven guilty, they get incarcerated and all of that. And then the case gets reopened and it's determined through uh, absolute evidence that they are innocent. Maybe someone else even confesses and they find DNA that was hidden and they, the person is completely innocent and they're released. At that point, you know what happens? They're no longer considered to be a convicted felon anymore. When they fill out their job application, you ever been convicted of a felony? Uh, nope, I was innocent. So what happens? Does Twitter have to say that, in fact, he didn't incite? I don't think that's going to happen, by the way, but it's something that makes you think, doesn't it? Parler wanted Donald Trump to be on its site and uh, Trump wanted a stake. This is breaking news, apparently, over at BuzzFeed. Uh, the Trump organization negotiated on behalf of then-President Donald Trump to make Parler his primary social network. I think this is before he was kicked off of Twitter. Uh, but it had a condition, an ownership stake in return for joining, according to documents, and four people familiar with the conversations. This is an article on BuzzFeed. The deal was never finalized. Legal experts said the discussions alone, which occurred while Trump was still in office, raised legal concerns with regards to anti-bribery laws. So there you go. Speaking of canceling uh, people... Um, Lou Dobbs had a show and he was uh, named in election, an election lies lawsuit. Did you hear about this? Um, this is being reported originally by the LA Times and then Fox News uh, commented about what they had done. But basically, this was a cancellation a day after voting software company Smartmatic filed a $2.7 billion defamation suit against Fox News and Lou Dobbs and uh, a couple other people there at, at Fox News. The company claims the host perpetuated lies and disinformation about Smartmatic's role in the election, damaging its business and reputation. You know, it's going to be really tough for them to really win this. Um, but $2.7 billion, I think that's to show that they're serious. They'll never get $2.7 billion. Uh, but Dobbs is off of the air right now. Um, that's kind of interesting, too, to watch how these networks, especially remember yesterday I was talking about those laws that were passed regarding social networks and that social networks can be responsible for what you as a user of the social network actually put out there, uh, whereas a news company it can be very liable with places like the FCC and other places for this kind of thing, especially where defamation is concerned. So it's not exactly a freedom of speech thing. Something to watch. Oh, it is time 
to talk about COVID. The CDC says double masking offers more protection against the coronavirus. And look, they have provided a handy dandy uh, diagram because, you know, we need diagrams. And it says this, for those of you who are just listening, wearing a mask that fits tightly to your face can help limit spread of the virus that causes COVID-19. Now, hang on a second. (laughs) Hang on a second. Wait. Are you saying that because the coronavirus is living inside of me, oh, if I have it, I don't have it. Okay, I don't have it. Thank you, Con. Living inside of a person. Uh, And they're breathing. And the way that it's spread is by breathing through your mouth and your nose. You get it by breathing it in and you spread it by breathing it out. That if you put something over your face, the parts of your face where the breathing comes and goes, that you might limit the spread? Really? Wow. You know what? I should be a scientist and so should everybody who's ever had a single thought in their life because, duh, that's how you stop things from spreading. If you're breathing them in and out, if you block that, it's got to help, right? And it says here in lab, listen to this. I love science. Uh, in lab tests with dummies, exposure to potentially infectious aerosols decreased about 95% when they both wore tightly fitted masks. Really? Is the implication here that you shouldn't pull the mask down below your nose or do the thing I saw the guy doing yesterday where he grabs the mask when he needs to talk and puts it back up over his face when he's done talking? Right. That's because talking is different than breathing, right? You're not breathing when you talk. When you talk, you're talking. That's not how it spread, right? Wait a minute. I better clarify that so that YouTube doesn't censor me. That is how it spread. And, uh, and so they say that if you put a cloth mask over your medical mask, double masking, that that's better. Interesting. So, yeah, and then uh, medical procedure masks with knotted ear loops and tucked in sides, as shown in this diagram, are really good. So you can twist the ear loops, it makes it tighter. Doesn't that make sense? So like, you know, when you're driving in your car and the window is open, now you don't see this as much anymore because everybody's got power windows, but back in the ancient days, uh, sometimes an older car, the window would just slide down a little or you'd bump the handle when you're getting in and out. And you'd be driving, and let's just say you're driving, and, and, and you look over at the passenger, you hear this sound like that, and you look over at the passenger side, and you realize that the window's just that much open. That's interesting. I wonder if that applies to masks and breathing. I don't know. Larry N. in the chat room says, March 2020, masks are ineffective. Well, we, we've already talked about that. We know why they said that. Everyone knows. You all know this, right? Everyone is familiar with this, Right. The reason that they told us that is because they didn't want people who inevitably would make a run on masks to make a run on the masks if they were told that masks actually did anything. Well, we know that they do things. Otherwise, doctors wouldn't wear them. That's a fact. Everyone knows this. Of course, masks make a difference, right? Come on, man. We all know that. They have to do something. Oh, well, the particles are too small. No, they're not because there's a mesh. And so the layers overlap like this. And as the particles go through, and remember that coronavirus isn't just living in the air. It's not just floating around. It's carried by something. What's it carried by? Tiny little droplets. And the tiny little droplets 
do get caught in the mask and they actually do prevent the spread. We knew this then, we know it now. Next story, coronavirus safety is also pushing other diseases into hiding too. Pretty interesting. I would uh, get to the next part of the story, but this web browser is so slow right now because I have too many tabs open. Uh, Here's the quote, an unintended result of social distancing precautions enacted to stop the spread of the novel coronavirus. Virtually all other respiratory viruses have at least for the moment hit record-breaking lows. Almost every other virus that is transmitted among people has gone into hiding. This is Northwell Health Infectious Disease Specialist and Pediatrician Dr. Sunil Sood. Sunil Sood. Indeed, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Influenza report for the last week of January noted positively that seasonal influenza activity in the United States remains lower than usual for this time of year. (laughs) Um, There's another one uh, that I've never heard of before called... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, acute fla- <laughs> acute flaccid myelitis, which unfortunately is a debilitating disease similar to polio. Uh, that's also been stopped in its tracks completely. It's one of those mysteries of nature, Sood said, uh, that uh, it's just stopped. I don't know why this is mater- mysterious. If people are all in their houses and they're all wearing masks, of course everything's going to... Do you know anyone right now? Do you know anyone now uh, who who has gotten the flu this year? Anyone? Do you know anyone who has the flu? Do you know anyone who has a cold right now during the cold months of the year? I don't. I don't. So, but I guess I guess, I guess masks work for that stuff, just not coronavirus. Um, the WHO has said that a quote intermediary host species. This sounds like an alien movie. <laughs> Uh, is most likely how COVID-19 was introduced uh, to humans, an intermediary host species. So remember that they went out to Wuhan, China, and hung out with the bat lady. Here's the quote. Our initial findings suggest that the introduction through an intermediary host species is the most likely pathway and one that will require more studies and more specific targeted research. This is by uh, Embarek, who is the uh, Vulcan ambassador. I mean, the um, WHO representative. Our hypothesis was direct zoonotic spillover. <laughs> yeah. Um, direct transmission from an animal reservoir to a human. The hypothesis of a direct spillover from an original animal source into the human population is also a possible pathway and is generating recommendation for future studies. You know, I'm already impressed that y'all are at the WHO I already trust that you're scientists. You don't need to dazzle me with your science speak. Just put it into regular terms and say, we think it came through another animal. Okay, just say it like that so that a simple people can understand. Here's some interesting news, though. Uh, People with dementia had a significantly greater risk of contracting coronavirus, and they were much more likely to be hospitalized and die from it than people without dementia. This is a study of millions of medical records in the United States. And here is a lovely and incredibly depressing picture of an older person trapped inside of some kind of giant plastic bag without any respect or decency like an animal. Uh, It says the risk could not be entirely explained by characteristics common to people with dementia that are known risk factors for COVID-19, like old age or living in a nursing home or having conditions like obesity, asthma, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease, which we talked about just yesterday. But 
Researchers adjusted for those factors and found that Americans with dementia were twice as likely to have gotten COVID-19. Interesting, isn't it? And here's the quote from Dr. Christy Yaff. Yaff? Yaffe? A professor of neurology and psychiatry at the University of California in San Francisco was not involved in the study, just commenting on it. And uh, Christine says, it's pretty convincing in suggesting that there's something about dementia that makes you more vulnerable. And listen to this. Black people with dementia are nearly three times as likely as white people with dementia, not just as 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 other people, three times as likely as white people with dementia. We already know that those people are twice as likely to get it. Okay, so that's a lot. Uh, And experts said this likely reflects the fact that people of color generally have been disproportionately harmed during the pandemic. This study highlights the need to protect patients with dementia, especially those who are black. But if you think about it, a lot of the people who are in nursing homes may have dementia because it often frequently happens with old age. So you've really got a horrible situation happening in the nursing homes because people are, they're already older, they already have these comorbidities and now throw in dementia, making them either two or three times more likely or beyond to get it. That is a dangerous, dangerous situation. Uh, So... They're saying in the chat, leprosy cases are are way down. Yeah. Um, and that zoonotic overspill would be a great 90s old rock band. <laughs> all right, there you go. You got a bell for that one. Uh, all right. Europe's oldest person, a 116-year-old uh, uh, French nun, survived COVID-19. She did it. Isn't that great? Uh, Sister Andre, Andre, a nun who was born in 1904, tested positive just a few weeks before her 717th birthday uh, back in January, and she survived it. She survived it. So good on her. Look at her. Look at her still going. So it's possible. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're automatically uh, going to succumb to it. So it's a little bit of good news. Uh, remember how I was telling you this is in tech news now, I guess. Sorry, Tom Merritt. Uh, that uh, TikTok was being forced to sell to Oracle. Remember that? That has put uh, <laughs> Nelson in the chat room. Remember I told you guys about super gonorrhea? Well, he says super gonorrhea can be fought by using two condoms very tightly. Yeah. And yes, Larry, the picture of the older couple does make me sad uh, too. Um, and uh, Jared says, I spent a majority of last year virtually managing care for someone with Alzheimer's. Can 100% confirm what you're saying? Anyway, back to TikTok. Um, the, uh, remember, this is crazy that there is going to be a forced sale that TikTok's U.S. operations, remember it's owned in, by a company in China, uh, was going to be forced to be bought by a company, and in this case, Oracle, but they've put that on hold. I, I think I said at the time that that was never going to happen. ByteDance is just going to continue to do what they have been uh, what they've been doing. Um, also here, uh, interesting. Okay. We're, we're in the, uh, where, where's my uh, soundbite here? We're in the Apple section of the show today. Security researcher hacked Apple, Tesla, PayPal, and more using an open source software attack. Basically they found a way and more than 30 companies were affected by this, including Yelp and Uber and the other ones I mentioned. And here's what we're going to get a little bit uh, technical here, but uh, the co- the attack comp- com- comprised of uploading malware to an open source repository, including uh, some with Python and Node and also Ruby, uh, which then got distributed downstream automatically into the company's internal operations. All of these companies were subject to this. 
And uh, it says, here's a quote, unlike traditional typo squatting attacks that rely on social engineering tactics or the victim misspelling a package name, package in development is like a library that's used by the software that someone else has written because it provides functionality that they need in their own software. So you say, I don't want to write code to do this. I'll use one of these libraries that someone else has written and contributed to open source. You bundle it into your package. When you update your software, it pulls down the latest package from it. And that's what happened here. Because anytime an update was run, they would automatically receive the now malicious package. And it says this is because the attack leveraged a unique design flaw of the open source ecosystem called dependency confusion. Dependency confusion. And uh, public packages take priority over private ones. Uploading a fake one with the same name would make that one downloaded instead of the official one. Hence the distribution of this problem. So yay open source. Apple, continuing to talk about Apple, has partnered with TSMC. They're developing ultra-advanced displays uh, that perhaps they will be using for augmented reality devices, but it's happening in this secretive Taiwan lab. And um, of course they're doing this. Again, again, Apple wants to control everything. They want to make their own CPUs. They want to make all their own hardware. They want to control the production line. Anything that, that can be defined as a core function of Apple, I think they have their sights set on displays because right now they are uh, basically beholden to competitors in some cases like Samsung to get their displays. So it seems very likely that they want to control displays as well because when you think of an Apple product, whether it's a laptop and that's the big product that they do in the computer space or whether it's an iPhone or a watch, what do they all have? They all have chips, they all have displays. So I would expect you to see Apple either buying, acquiring, or so tightly, closely partnering with a company like this uh, to control their own manufacture of displays. They don't want to be beholden to anyone. <laughs> Brian says, malicious package, another great band. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think the last article I have on Apple today is that and here's a screenshot I can show you. Apple Maps has added Waze-like features in iOS 14.5 so you can crowdsource things like accidents and hazards and speed checks. So that's one of the things I really love using Waze for on long trips where you're just driving on the highway. Uh, it's really nice to know if there's an accident, maybe you can route around it. But it's really Google, and I use Google Maps a lot, is always behind in reporting traffic and things like that. Or else they just always show everything as being red. And you're like, I know the whole route is going to be red, but why? Where is the accident? How far away is it? Or is there a speed trap I should know about? Waze lets you notify other drivers about that. Well, now Apple Maps is having this. And this is, I think, a very compelling, uh, compelling service uh, or part of their service that might actually make me use it more. You can, uh, once you choose go, it says if you swipe up on Apple Maps interface where maps details are available, you can tap on a report button that lets you flag an accident hazard or a speed check similar to other mapping apps. Tapping um, automatically flags your location with no confirmation window, so it shouldn't be used except in a valid situation. So I wonder how they're going to handle that uh, if there is uh, a way to prevent people from abusing that. Apple tends to trust people, but maybe in this situation it will work or not. Um, Oh, second article about that hack I just told you about. Okay, uh, this is a really interesting uh, situation here. There's a company called Powder. Powder. They have raised $14 million for its social app for game clips. 
Uh, oh, and I, I have an anthem. This is the uh, French startup. They're French. So we'll play the uh, French song. Uh, it lets you share video clips of your favorite games. People follow with the same interests and interact with them. The company has raised $14 million in a Series A, led by Serena. Powder wants to build the video infrastructure for social gaming. This is a nut that has been, uh, people have tried to crack before, so we'll see how this one goes. You know, a lot of content's already shared on Twitch and Discord and Reddit. And the thing is, there isn't a mobile app that have focused on gaming and sharing gaming and game clips. Uh, they're calling it Instagram or Snapchat for gamers, but they have specific tools that make it similar and yet different from those mainstream social platforms. They can capture video content from any platform. You record it with your console. You access the footage by connecting your account with Powder. Then you can capture the videos on your PC. If you're playing that, they have a desktop app. And then you can capture videos of mobile games, of course, on your mobile device. And then you can share those. Um, but what's really cool is they're trying to connect it to events like if you score a goal on Rocket League, if your last person standing in Fortnite, you know, you can do those and, and, and share that. That's pretty cool. And, uh, and kids are going to love this one. A social app for gaming. Come on. Salesforce says that the nine to five workday is dead and they're letting some employees work remotely from now on. And the big quote from them is, quote, it no longer makes sense to expect employees to work an eight hour shift. Basically, this is the thing that I talked about for years on quit, for years and years and years on quit. And I want to I want to applaud this, applaud this. It doesn't make sense to reward people for putting in an eight hour day. It matter it makes sense to reward people for doing the work that they need to do and excelling at what they're good at. Here's the quote. As we enter a new year, we must continue to go forward with agility, creativity, and a beginner's mind. And that includes how we cultivate our culture. An immersive workspace is no longer limited to desk in our towers. The nine to five workday is dead and the employee experience is about more than ping pong tables and snacks, uh, writes Brent Hyder, Salesforce's chief, chief people officer. Name, um, it's about damn time, I would say. Even this space that I'm in right now, this office, my lease is up in like a month. I'm not renewing it. I still need a place to go. So if you're here in Austin and you have a spare room and you don't mind having some lights and computers and uh, a nerdy guy come in there for an hour every day, uh, I would be most appreciative. You can find me, of course, at Dan Benjamin on Twitter and Instagram and here on YouTube, and that would be the best place to go. DM me, let me know if you have some spare office space, because I just don't want to have to continue to spend all the money to lease it when, because of Corona and everything else, it's just me in here. It doesn't make sense. And by the way, while you're at it, smash the like button on this video and subscribe if you haven't. And consider donating a buck or five to me. Uh, it really helps make a difference. You know how I'm stressed out? Yeah, that'll go away if, uh, if you support the show. And I'm not even kidding. Some weird news here. Parents of daughters are more likely to divorce than those with sons. But the difference only emerges when the children are teenagers. So here is a picture of a teenage daughter. <laughs> I'm glad they added that to the article. Uh, but listen to this. This is absolutely, absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, mm. And I, I wonder why. Daughters have long been linked with divorce. Several studies conducted in America since the 80s provide strong evidence that a couple's firstborn being a girl increases the likelihood of their subsequently splitting up. At the time, the researchers speculated that this was an expression of son preference, which is a phenomenon which in its most extreme form manifests it's as selective abortion or infanticide of female offspring. Historically, cultures would kill the daughter. They wanted only sons. 
But now this is an article or a study that's been published in the Economic Journal debunking that idea. It's called Daughters in Divorce. It's written by Jan Kabatek of the University of Melbourne and David Rybar of Georgia State University in Atlanta. They confirm that having a female firstborn does indeed increase the risk of that child's parents divorcing uh, in both America and the Netherlands. But unlike the previous work, their study also looked at the effect of the girl's age. The risk only emerges in a firstborn girl's teenage years. Before they reach the age of 12, daughters are no more linked to couples splitting up than sons are. And it says if fathers were really more likely to take off because they preferred sons, surely they wouldn't wait 13 years to do it. Very interesting. Uh, so you can read more about this at danbenjamin.live where all of the show's links are. And pretty soon, the next couple of days, there'll be a newsletter you can subscribe to and you'll get all these links in the mail plus some other really cool, exciting stuff. There is a new audio social network. Speaking of audio social networks that have been coming out or were uh, quilt this one is called quilt and they have raised 3.5 million dollars in seed money and uh, basically what it says is that they are focusing on wellness and community it says quilt started as a community platform founded by ashley sumner Sumner, That's your name, thank dude. you, which let local folks meet with up with one another in their own homes. sumner was on the founding team at newhouse and uh, she has been building community through physical space. And all of these conversations were happening in people's homes until the pandemic struck. And uh, they said, well, we need to do something else. So they moved over to Zoom, but they said, oh, video chat doesn't capture the magic that was happening in person. They also said it wasn't the right medium to foster those kinds of conversations. So she worked on an audio app that will become the new Quilt 2.0 and it went live in the app store at the end of January. So what happened, the way this works, kind of, kind of a clubhouse thing, kind of, sort of, is that anyone can start a room for a conversation. They drop a line or two of text that says what they want to talk about. And then the app focused on wellness breaks the rooms into three different categories, spiritual and personal development, career and purpose, uh, and relationship, sex, and family. And so you kind of pick that and then you're in there and you're talking and uh, you know, they try to balance out engagement and uh, with content creators and the consumers. So it looks really interesting. Could be very helpful, especially right now. It sounds like something a lot of people will, will really need. Oh, and I was supposed to cover this earlier, but I, I, I had it out of order. So I apologize. That um, is why I won't do two shows a night anymore, babe. I won't. I won't do it. Uh, impeachment managers are presenting a new video today in their opening presentation that they say is uh, like, like you'll here's the quote, you'll see footage you have never seen before that shows a view of the Capitol that is quite extraordinary, the view of an attack that has never been public before, which you will see for the first time starting today. This is one of the aides, one of the mystery aides. So today is a day to watch this Senate trial uh, because they have now 16 hours over two days to make their case. So if you're, if you're into watching it, today is going to be a good day uh, for that. Now, in less serious news, you remember the uh, pancake syrup called Aunt Jemima, the name of which was probably offensive to like everybody, and they announced that they were going to rebrand. They have rebranded. And interestingly, um, they're calling it mm. the Pearl Milling Company. The Pearl Milling Company. It says Quaker Oats, Oats cooked up a new image for an old offensive brand on Tuesday. PepsiCo Inc., the parent company for Quaker Oats, announced its rebranding Aunt Jemima, uh, retiring the racist stereotype that they used for the product's image. They're replacing Aunt Jemima with the Pearl Mining Company, 
This doesn't happen until June, though. Uh, but they um, they were one of a handful of companies that decided that this was the right time to rebrand, including Uncle Ben's, Cream of Wheat, and Mrs. Butterworth. They're all announcing new names. And uh, so, yeah, here's a little picture, literally a little picture, uh, of what it's going to look like. And it just says Pearl Milling Company. Pearl Milling Company. But they have no explanation about why they chose the Pearl Milling Company. Uh, they say they will also announce details of a $1 million commitment to empower and uplift black girls and women in the coming weeks, which is very nice. The investment, in addition to PepsiCo's $400 million five-year commitment to advance and uplift black businesses and communities. I think that's great. Maybe they should have changed the name a long time ago. Uh, we could we could argue that they should have. But the fact that they are changing it, I think, is great. They're being very uh, sensitive to this. And then they've made a huge financial commitment to this issue. Honestly, I think this is a really good response. I don't know what else they could have done or how they could have been better other than going back in time and not using the name in the first place. Uh, I think this is a really good response. So I applaud them for that. Uh, hold on. I need to check this chat room because there's been a lot happening. Uh, oh, uh, Corey says, woo, finally made it into the stream while it's live. Hi, Dan, longtime listener, first time watcher. Hey there. Uh, oh, a lot of people in the chat are actually saying that they are, um, that they themselves were uh, teenage daughters and their parents split <laughs> split up. So there you go. Look at this. Tyler says, I have two older half-sisters and there are eight divorces between my bio parents. I think they would cut us from the study as outliers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So we're getting anecdotal information right here on the show. Oh, you know, Rihanna and LVMH are closing a Fenty. Uh, it launched in Paris in 2019. It got a lot of buzz. And uh, here's a picture of Rihanna uh, about ready to close Fenty. Uh, so this is a um, a luxury ready-to-wear line, which means you buy it off the rack. And they're only two years old, and they're closing. And here's the quote. Following the completion of a fundraising round where L. Catterton has taken a stake into Savage X Fenty, LVMH and Rihanna reaffirm their ambition to concentrate on the growth and the long-term development of Fenty ecosystem, focusing on cosmetic, skincare, and lingerie. In the meantime, Rihanna and LVMH have jointly made a decision to put on hold the ready-to-wear act activity based in Europe pending better conditions. In other words, COVID screwed us up and we can't do it. So you know what? I'm sorry. We had to have one in the show. Uh, the next Witcher board game is coming to Kickstarter in May. This is a prequel to the tale of Geralt of Rivia. So check this out. Uh, the Witcher franchise expanding with a new board game from a team at Go On Board it's called The Witcher Old World. It takes place long before the saga of Geralt of Rivia, and it's being produced in partnership with CD Projekt Red. The project heads to Kickstarter in May with delivery expected by April of 2022. They don't know how much it's going to cost, but you can go there right now to sign up to learn more about it. It's going to be a competitive card-driven adventure game for two to five players with some light role-playing elements. Player characters will each come from a different Witcher school, which could include traditional factions like the School of the Wolf, the Bear, the Manticore, and the Crane. And my phone is like blowing up in the other room. What is going on in there? I'm terrified now to go out and find out. But I will tell you about our last story of the day. 
The world. I know, is this something you've been waiting for? Hold on, do we have she a drum roll? Don't play an ad. Don't play the stupid thing during my drum roll. Stop. My phone's going crazy. Do you hear that? Let's try the drum roll again. World's first 3D printed ribeye steak has been created in Israel. Look at it. Look at that. Now you can eat a slaughter-free ribeye steak. And they put steaks in quotes. They are high for the future of lab-grown meat. An Israeli food company is leading the way in its first slaughter-free ribeye steak. That's right. It's called Aleph Farms. And Aleph is the letter, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, letter A, kind of. Um, and it says that uh, that they have finally done this. It is They're calling it a cruelty-free cutlet. And they say this is the world's first one to do it. It was produced using 3D bioprinting technology and real cow tissue. The food tech startup explained in a news release, they said, from there, scientists incubated the cells to grow, differentiate, and interact, ultimately replicating a real ribeye. It has muscle and fat, similar to a traditionally slaughtered steak. They say that it has the same organoleptic attributes of a, you know, because it's important to talk about organoleptic attributes when you're talking about a meal. They say it has the same organoleptic attributes of a delicious, tender, juicy ribeye steak you'd buy from the butcher. They say it can produce any cut of meat with this method, and they are planning to expand their meat portfolio. With, quote, with the realization of this milestone, we've broken the barriers to introducing new levels of variety into the cultivated meat cuts we can produce. This is uh, <laughs> Shalomit Levenberg, a professor at uh, Technion and Aleph's co-founder. Uh, so they say that the uh, opportunities are endless. So that's all I've got for you today. Thanks for tuning in. I sure do appreciate it. And don't forget, support the show on Patreon. I'm Dan Benjamin on Patreon, patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. Go there, give me a buck, give me five, give me 50, whatever you think it's worth. And uh, stay tuned for some really cool bonuses for people who do support. That's all I've got for you today. Uh, I will see you tomorrow. Have a good one.